Welcome, everyone, to the Entertainment Fade Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Brandon Prosek. And I'm your other host, Jessica Quaz. And we're, uh, yeah, we're closing in. We only got a couple more top tens of the tens, Jess. <laughs> yeah, almost done. We're rounding out talking about our top ten favorites of the decade. And here we are talking about ten of our favorite actresses' performance of the last decade. Yes, which... We were debating whether we should do 10. We could have very easily done 10 TV actresses. We could have done 10 supporting, 10 leading, but we would have done a top 10 series forever, guys. Yeah. <laughs> like we would have just changed into a top 10 show, which I'm sure that already is a podcast or a web show out there. Um, so we decided to keep it simple. So how this is going to go is we are going to talk about uh five tv actresses and five film actresses that we think best performances sometime between 2010 and 2019 yeah it's easier to just break it up into two different lists rather than talking about 10 of our favorite tv actresses 10 of our movie actresses we'd all be here for a very long time um, so we're just going to break it up that way and do our favorite five and five. And again, these lists are our favorites. It's really hard to choose what is like objectively the best. So this is just like something that's a little more personal to each one of us. Um, and we're not saying like definitively there was no one better than these five. We're just saying these are like the five that we prefer. Definitely. Yeah. These, these are favorites and, uh, we try to find, uh, performances or picks when we do these lists that aren't just ones that are nominated for all the awards you know typical films that you find uh, at the golden globes or the oscars or the emmys which who knows if we'll even have one one of those award shows this year um <laughs> but yeah it's so these are just favorites hopefully these are uh things that you've seen and uh the way i always look at it is whenever I come across ones that like Jess comes up with the list. I'm like, awesome. These are recommendations for movies or shows that I need to see. Yeah, exactly. And same with you, like whatever you have said that I haven't seen, it's like, all right, well, I got to add that to the list. And now that I'm in quarantine, I have a lot of time to watch movies so or TV. So it works out. Definitely. And uh, so, yeah, uh, this is uh, what we're doing for this episode of the Entertainment Fave podcast. Uh, as you, some of you may be finding us on, we're making the Entertainment Fave podcast from now on available on Entertainment Fave's YouTube. So you can catch us there, catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the places you can find podcasts. But uh, yeah, please follow us on those social medias and uh, like, subscribe, all those types of things. Um, but yeah, we wanted to make it available just as many places as possible. So that's why we decided to start putting them on YouTube. And uh, that's kind of where Jess and I started. <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening to this, um, like on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, uh, if you go over to YouTube, you might be able to see our faces. We are yeah. trying to record a Zoom. Um, we'll see how this goes, but you yeah. can kind of see what we look like when we're recording. Um, for me, it's no makeup and sloppy hair uh, in my <laughs> quarantine, so you can yeah. get the raw action. Yeah, we're definitely being safe. We are literally states apart. <laughs> yep. The biggest social distance we can do right now. Yes, um, the only bigger is if we put an ocean between us. <laughs> yep. So we are, we're staying at home, we're isolating. Um, speaking of, we've been probably, I, I mean, I know I have, have you been 
taking in a lot of content lately? What have you been watching? Uh, <laughs> Look at that segue. E, e, oh, that was a killer segue. I usually Thank get you. really pumped with my segues, but <laughs> you just blew me out of the water. And now I'm like almost not even prepared. Yeah, I've been definitely trying to take in content during these times. I'm trying not to go crazy with the binging. Um, which I totally understand during these times, if that's your thing. Um, I'm sure I'm going to dive jump, di dive deep into something. Um, I've been trying to just kind of slow. Uh, uh, as far as like shows, uh, I binged uh, both season one and two on Netflix of The End of the Fucking World. Um, have you seen that show? I haven't. I've heard a lot about it, though. So I've heard like people really like it. Yeah, what I'll recommend about that show, why it's very easy to binge, is both seasons, there are only eight episodes, and the episodes are only about 20 minutes. Like, obviously it's Netflix, no commercials, uh, so if you really think about it, 20 minutes, eight episodes, there's only 16 total. It was very easy to get through in like, I think it was like a week, week and a half, um, knock out like an episode or so here and there, and also when I would sit and watch like a few in a row, I didn't feel like, oh, I've been sitting in the same spot forever. Like you watch three episodes, it's only an hour. It's not the end of the world. Um, so but that it was- it is the end of the fucking world, Brandon. Ah, ah. fuck. The camera's on and Jess is on. <laughs> <laughs> like performing. Uh, yeah, she's like, before I'm just kind of chilling, but now that the camera's on, 110%. No, I love it. Um, so yeah, what have I been watching? Uh, I uh, can't remember if I talked about this last time, but I have now seen all of the Tremors movies. I watched. <laughs> wow, you've made moves. <laughs> yes, which I had already seen four of them because there was a big gap between when five and six happened, but five and six were the most recent ones that came out in 2015 and 2018. I believe, um, which is Tremors 5 Bloodlines and Tremors 6 A Cold Day in Hell. Um, yeah, there's some there's some good parts and there's definitely some parts that's like, yeah, there's a reason why these are like video on demand, direct to video movies. <laughs> um, I could do an entire video essay on why Tremors is utterly fantastic, but the sequels are about is what you probably would expect seeing the first Tremors. That's what I'll say for those. Um, I saw Monty Python's The Life of Brian for the first time. I, okay. Yeah, I grew up, I loved Holy Grail. I just never got around to see The Life of Brian. That was certainly interesting. Totally understand why at the time with all the religious and like kind of political humor in there, why that was probably divisive. And, oh man, I'm looking at this list and I'm realizing I did watch more than I thought. Uh, I watched Fried Green Tomatoes for the first That's time. That's interesting. Really? How yes. did you end up watching that? <laughs> My partner recommended it. She loved okay. the movie. And here's what I'll say. And this was no fault by her or the movie, but she was like, oh, I love that movie. And I guess her tone, I thought it was going to be like a fun movie because the picture on Amazon Prime is like Kathy Bates, this older actress, and then like Mary Louise Parker and, and like the cast, and they're all kind of like smiling. And I'm like, is this kind of like a female, like not comedy, but like, you know, kind of dramedy, you know, things are fun. Nope, it is 
<laughs> yeah, no. Pretty heavy. Pretty heavy with the racism and the sexism and, you know, it uh, takes place when they're uh, not long after, you know, slaves and whatnot. So it's, it, yeah, it um, was not what I was expecting. Good, but <laughs> don't go into it thinking it's just going to be a fun little romp because um, <laughs> it's not. Um, bad movie that I saw for the first time. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Oh, that movie. I hadn't yeah. seen that one. I kind of refused for the longest time because I heard it was so bad. And I loved Last Crusade. And I found it so funny that Steven Spielberg even pushed to name it Last Crusade because he's like, I don't want to keep doing these. Yet <laughs> he got roped into doing it. And like Harrison Ford and George Lucas kind of like, like no, 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 no. It's going to be good. And then we saw was not uh overuse of cgi the lighting the cinematography woof like i now totally see why it gets so much shit like i never doubted anyone but i was like come on guys like maybe if we just look at it in a different light no you can't it's just when you have like some of the best action movies of all time with raiders of the lost ark and last crusade and then kingdom of the crystal skull it does it would, I couldn't believe that Harrison agreed to it. I couldn't believe that Spielberg did it because the quality dramatically different and not for, uh, I, I, I don't want to say I wish I didn't see it. Like I'm glad I saw it because I've always wondered, but also I partly wish that I didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I remember I saw it like when I first came out when I was a kid, like in Woof. theaters yeah and like i remember even as a child being like this is not good like just already knowing even though there was like flashy action and like fun things well and the action became like a goddamn cartoon like mm -hmm. it wasn't like fun awesome punch you know awesome stunt work it just was sloppy and um it just felt like such a waste of all the talents of the people involved i felt bad for like shia labeouf because yeah i think that's like really good casting actually shia I labeouf as his son like that's a good, gets good job so much shit for that movie but like i don't think that was his fault at all it was the script <laughs> yeah no not him <laughs> yeah and i don't know it just the ending is just a whirlwind of like what is even happening what the fuck like things it, like sure like i had heard that it's kind of like aliens is like a twist i'm not going to say spoilers because like fuck it that movie came out in 08 guys um we were too busy watching a good movie like the dark knight and iron man uh, <laughs> um woof it is bad and um all the indiana jones movies are on netflix just watch the good ones leave that one behind uh <laughs> and then finally um just last night uh time we were recording this i watched uh for the first time since i was probably like in grade school uh wild wild west wow how was that it was interesting <laughs> <laughs> because i just because of, I know that I'm pretty sure Will Smith was someone that was up for Neo and Matrix, which also right. came out in 1999. Want to know how things came together for him to make that opposed <laughs> to Matrix? Which Money. like, well, 
Yeah. <laughs> but it just, woof, it was bad. Um, I almost didn't recognize that that was Kenneth Branagh in the villain role. I thought that was a completely different actor who just like, huh, this is probably the only thing he did. Like, no, nope, he wanted <laughs> to direct Thor. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, I've been dabbling in some bad movies, some good movies, but last thing I'll say I watched, I rewatched, uh, this is now the third time I've seen it, uh, Knives Out. Oh, wow. I haven't I, rewatched it since I first saw it, but I really want to. Okay, so here's what I'll say. I saw it twice in theaters, and technically, as of right now, that's the last movie I saw in theaters back in January um, before, you know, such. And every time I watch it, I notice different things. And now that I've seen it a third time, like, I really was paying attention to the pacing and, like, how structured and, like, how Ryan Johnson is able to take the mystery uh kind of like who done it genre and i don't want to say like some people doubt it by saying he flipped it on its head but i think he paces it so well because it's around 30 minutes in where i won't spoil this one because this movie's still new he reveals a pretty big thing and then it becomes a different movie mm-hmm, and then yeah a big character who like in the advertisement I thought was going to be one of the leads, he doesn't show up until an hour into the two hour movie. And then you realize that this other character who's barely in the advertising at all, she's the lead. Right. (laughs) And I just appreciated that from Ryan Johnson who like did the same thing with Looper, like his marketing, whoever does the marketing for his movies, they don't reveal everything. So uh, I just, really enjoyed Knives Out. It's my probably one of my favorites that came out in 2019. Um, but yeah, so woof, I guess I did watch more than I thought. At first <laughs> I was like, no, nah, not that much. And I was like, oh yeah, put some away. <laughs> <laughs> but Jess, what have you been watching? Um, I've haven't been watching as much as you would think because I'm trying not to fall in that habit of just binging my whole life away because it's very Uh. (laughs) easy to do that so I'm trying to practice some self-control um but I've been watching a lot of things also uh so for tv I just finished watching lego masters the first season um it premiered two months ago um it's awesome i really <laughs> enjoyed it like it's one of the best reality competition shows i've watched in a very long time um it's basically like a like a project runway top chef kind of situation but with building legos um <laughs> it's so cool and honestly like there is a lot of drama <laughs> even on that show um so it has like everything it has like cool fun creativity um really awesome like characters like in terms of like people to root for on reality tv um will arnett is the host and he's really fun um so yeah i really enjoyed lego masters it's all on hulu right now um i think the finale just premiered last week or two weeks ago so it's still a very new show um but it's it's great i really want a season two i hope we get it um I'm sure worth- that sounds like that would definitely be a hit i want to watch that now um but also when is the spinoff happening called connects crafters <laughs> like the connects those little things oh like did you ever play with connects 
Yeah. I, I was a Connects kid. Everyone was into Legos and I was I was into Connects. Really? <laughs> so you weren't into Legos. You were more I mean, I, it was okay, but I, I don't know why I gravitated more towards Connects. Maybe there's a little more versatility in the things. It wasn't just blocks, but I digress. I Okay. Alliteration. Okay. Learn something new. <laughs> Um, I, I really enjoyed it and I wasn't like super into Legos as a kid. Um, I played with them of course, but like, I wasn't like some people. Um, but yeah, so you can still really enjoy Lego masters, even if you're not like a Lego fan yourself. Um, so that's just like a nice little, like refreshing, bright show to watch. Right. So another show that I've been watching is very different from Lego masters and that is Waco. It's a mini series that's now on Netflix. Um, and it is about the standoff in Waco, Texas in the early 90s between the ATF and the Branch Davidian cult. And it's really intense. It's a very intense moment in American history. And the show is really well done. It shows both sides of the situation and sort of like what happened to lead up to such a terrible event. Um, the reason why I started watching it is because Michael Shannon is a star and I love Michael Shannon and I love cults. So it was kind of perfect for me. Um, but yeah, it's really interesting. It's really incredible. Uh, the cast is really great. So Waco, amazing. And then in terms of movies, I have been all across the board. I've been watching the most random array of movies. Um, <laughs> some of which are Frozen 2. Finally got around to seeing that. Um, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> it's, it's a little complicated. You say that for a lot of films. It's really funny. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. It's not like the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's also not nearly as amazing as Frozen 1. The plot is wild. Like, I can't even really fully describe it because it's so all over the place. There's something about a magical forest and magical elements and ice and fire and I don't know there's a lot happening in Frozen 2 and I gotta say the soundtrack not nearly as good as Frozen 1 which slaps um I've also watched the original Dracula from 1931 um and I really 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 enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I kind of just watched it for funsies because I like watching old movies and it was really cool to see where horror films originated with some of their tropes and some of their devices um, all the way back in 1931. And there were actually some like really chilling moments of the movie. I didn't expect to be scared or like affected or weirded out by it because it's so old, but it actually like really got to me. Um, and another movie I rewatched because I'm trying to either watch movies I've never seen or rewatch movies I haven't seen in forever during my quarantine. Um, so a movie I rewatched was Cabin in the Woods, which I haven't seen since it first came out. And honestly, I think Cabin in the Woods is like a perfect movie. I didn't expect to enjoy it as much rewatching it, but I really, really enjoyed it. And there were just a lot of like moments and fun, weird devices and things that they were playing with that like I completely forgot about. Um, it goes in a direction that you never were really expecting. It's just, it's fun, it's gory, it's scary, it's weird. Um, I really enjoyed it. So I would say if you haven't seen Cabin in the Woods and you're a horror fan, you absolutely should or rewatch it because I really enjoyed rewatching it. Yeah, um, I haven't, I don't think I've watched that since like college days because that came out like what, like 2012, 20. 
I think 2011. Yeah, it was like early 2010s. And I remember that at the time of seeing it, I really did enjoy it. And I really liked it. And I thought it was like, weird and unique and and different. Um, So I rewatched it just because it was like on Hulu. And I was like, why not? I have nothing else going on. Um, And yeah, I just like rewatching it. I was like, I, I don't know why, like, this movie was kind of forgotten to me, because it's great it's amazing (laughs) and chris hemsworth is really fun too it's like really interesting to watch him because this was before thor and like this is i apparently like the rumor is um this movie is like kind of what got him thor because he was playing this like macho character and this is like um what they like looked at when they were seeing it and yeah, it's just really fun. It's just really good. And he's really good in it. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed rewatching that. Um, and then not a movie or TV show, but an audiobook I uh, just recently finished is Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. Um, I flew through it within like three days. Um, I just found myself like, I, I couldn't stop listening to it. It's a fantastic book. And it's all about Ronan Farrow and his time reporting um on the Weinstein scandal and everything he did and what he went through and it is insane um it's really kind of scary and crazy and it feels almost like a like a political thriller at times even though it's all very real um and just the the measures that were taken by so many people to try to stop this from coming forward because they were all manipulated or because money was involved. Um, if you're in, in the entertainment industry at all, or if you're interested in it, I definitely suggest listening to it because it kind of shows like the dark underbelly of the industry in a way that like really is important to pay attention to. Um, so yeah, Catch and Kill by Ronan Farrow. It's probably one of my favorite things I've like paid any attention to in this quarantine and the audiobook is great because he's actually the one reading it and it's just I like audiobooks when like the person who wrote it is the one reading it because then you're like really just hearing them tell you a story um so I would suggest the audiobook version definitely definitely well I'll have to see if I can check that out I'm sure there's gonna be podcasts about that too um yeah if there like aren't already <laughs> yeah so Jess, uh, we're continuing on our journey of top tens of the tens, and I feel like we should go ahead and uh, jump right in. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, actress performances that took place between 2010 and 2019. We have five that were in TV and five that were in film. So this was, as I'm sure you can attest, very hard because there were so many this decade. Um, but I like really thought about it and the ones, like the performances that like really stuck with me or impacted me or made me think about things. Like these are the top five. Um, so number five is Regina King as Angela Abar or Sister Knight in Watchmen. That is a very new performance. It just came out in 2019, but from beginning to end, her performance was just stellar and like, the show is incredible, but I I really do think her performance is like what elevated it even further, especially on the finale when we get to the end. Like she just 
punches it forward even further. Um, and she literally has to act every range of emotion on that show. So number five, Regina King, um, Angela Abbar slash Sister Knight in Watchmen. If you haven't watched Watchmen yet, please do. It's incredible. My number four um, is Olivia Coleman in two roles, which is kind of cheating, but kind of not. So <laughs> number four is Olivia Coleman as Ellie Miller in Broadchurch, which was in 2013 to 2017. And then again, as Queen Elizabeth in The Crown. Um, both performances are very, very different, very incredible. Um, and I gotta say, I didn't even really know who Olivia Coleman was until The Favorite came out um, and she won the Oscar for it. Uh, but I revisited the, I, I, I'd never seen Broadchurch before. I heard it's amazing. It's a great true crime drama. So I, this past year, 2019, I finally watched it. And yeah, it was, it's, a, it's an incredible show. And then this year, past year, she also came out with The Crown, um, which is a very different performance because it is more restrained while dealing with the emotions and stress of being the figurehead of a country. And in Broad Church, she's a little more like a modern day, more casual woman who's very intelligent. Um, and she has a huge transformation in the series. Um, and yeah, just the way she delivers both characters is so believable even when she's playing Queen, Queen Elizabeth, who is like a person we already know, um, she just goes into it and you feel like she's the queen. And her affectation in The Crown too is very different from her normal way of speaking, which is very interesting. Um, she got the voice down, she got the mannerisms down, like she is the queen. Um, and in Broadchurch, she kind of was able to like make the character more of her own. Um, so it's just interesting to see like those two very different type of performances being in stellar in the same decade by the same actress. Um, number three is Catherine O'Hara as Moira Rose in Schitt's Creek, one of the most hilarious performances of the decade and probably of her career, even though her David. career is dead. <laughs> David. And that's another thing, like her weird affectation, like her weird, like sort of accent that you don't know what she's like, where is she from? Like, what is she doing? Like that alone is brilliant. Um, so yeah, Catherine O'Hara, she's obviously like a comedic legend, but to me, Moira Rose is like the best performance she's ever given. Number two, I have Thandie Newton as Maeve Malay in Westworld. Um, if you're still watching Westworld like I am, then you know it's definitely gone off the rails a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's a little wild right now. I've not seen the new season yet. I Have you seen season two? Yeah, I, I, I was caught up. It's just okay. since the new season started, I have not picked it back up. So just a sidebar, like... I think season one is incredible, beginning to end, like brilliant. I think it probably maybe should have been a mini series because I think now they like are almost getting so like cerebral and so big with their concepts that it's starting to like not make any sense. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> it's like, I like 
season one had a lot of like really like big picture concepts that they were like putting into this like park and now like that they've changed the trajectory of the whole show it's still these like big concepts but it's all like okay are you are you trying to like pretend like you're smart <laughs> like it's just and i don't know it's just gotten crazy but yeah i think that- they've gotten way too like i haven't seen season three but i remember with season four and like they've just gotten too wrapped up in trying to twist us and like the fake outs of who's a robot who's not a robot who's who it's just like i remember like you said the first season i was interested in the show because it seemed like a different concept and like an incredible cast uh like all-star cast and it just the writing i don't know maybe it's just personally i feel like they're trying to outsmart us too much. And sometimes when you're too focused on trying to outsmart someone, you make something dumber. Exactly. It's almost like we're trying to fool you. You can't see what's coming. But like then the reveals end up being like, well, I didn't see that coming because that doesn't make any sense. Whereas like season one, the reveals were like, oh my good. Like the reveals in season one, like hit you. And I feel like, season two it was like everyone's a robot now <laughs> like uh, yeah. I, I don't know i, I but, but I tandy, will newton. Say, <laughs> tandy newton um she has been consistently amazing in every single moment she's on that show and that's like you can't even doubt that no matter what the show's doing she is there she's performing she's giving it her all um she's just and i like it's just I feel like she's playing this really interesting character of a very strong woman who is going through an incredibly heartbreaking situation and so she's very she's really good at balancing playing tough and vulnerable like at the same time which is really interesting um and she's almost this like hero that's otherworldly and almost like larger than life but you still feel that she's very complex with her emotions so it's interesting like she's a very interesting hero because she is strong and tough and can like take care of herself and do what needs to be done but at the same time you see like what she's going through is really affecting her um i also just feel like looking back like she is one of those actresses that has been in like everything like everything but you didn't really like pay attention to her you just like were like oh yeah that woman she's in this again yeah um and this is where she's finally like gotten the attention she deserves so i i don't know i just i think she's wonderful and i think that no matter where the show goes or what is what it's done like her performance is just beautiful and incredible and then number one kind of like an obvious choice for me um is elizabeth moss as june osborne in the handmaid's tale just because it's the most intense role for a woman on tv this past decade like there is just there's just nothing else that really compares um and the show is incredible it's it's really great but i think like her specific performance is what makes the show even more impactful. I think that the show would have been very different had it been like anyone else and she's just the only one that can do that role, I feel like. So that's what makes it the best, or at least my favorite 
Gotcha. Yeah, there's, uh, I think there's a good mix of some of those I've seen, some of those who may be on my list, and also just some that uh, I haven't seen that show, but I've heard nothing but good things. Um, so yeah, uh, my top five TV uh, actress performances. Um, number five is Rachel Bloom in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Um, yes. I haven't even seen like this full show. I, I maybe cumulatively have seen like only a season or two, but like she just nails it. She is musically talented. She's obviously one of the showrunners and like the writers on the show, the creators. Uh, she's absolutely hilarious. Um, I don't know why she's not like a big movie star yet. Maybe it's because she was working on this. Maybe because I, I know she is like, uh, having a fan, uh, starting a family soon. So like, I don't know why she's not like bigger because I think she's incredible. I think she has everything. Um, so Rachel Bloom, awesome. The next is someone I just recently binged uh, right before uh, the quarantine. I binged the show Fleabag. It's Phoebe Waller-Bridge from Fleabag as Fleabag. Um, yeah, she's incredible. Uh, I, I, another role where she's the, the writer, the creator of the show. There's only two seasons, but I think she plays such a sympathetic character where it's so emotional, but then other minutes she's cracking me the fuck up and she blends those well, those two things so well together. And I was kind of like upset that there's not going to be more seasons, but also I am excited because I know that means she's going to be starring in other things and also creating other things. So maybe it's not the end of the world that Fleabag's done because that just means she won't be pigeonholed into just doing this one performance like she did a great job for those two seasons and now let's see what she does next because i wouldn't yeah. doubt if the in the the 2020s she's on our lists again well um, the next major thing she's doing is she wrote the bond movie yeah she was one of the writers is, <laughs> of, wow, the, of the wow. newest bond movie so that should be interesting um where that goes yeah i'm really curious both her writing career and also uh, acting career because I think she's hilarious and an incredible performer on top of her writing um, my number three was Catherine O'Hara as Moira Rose and Shits yes! <laughs> same placement <laughs> <laughs> yeah I um, I'm almost done with season three of Shits Creek so like I still have a bit to go but there's no denying that she is just so outrageously funny in that show she you completely forget that that's the mom from like home alone uh <laughs> she's just like you said she immerses herself in this like weird dialect that uh it's, it's like is she trying to be british is she trying to just be fancy is, like what is she <laughs> like i uh, like and it's not just her voice and dialect, but it's uh, the the dialogue that she's given and the way that she just, I wish I wrote down some quotes, but the way, uh, I love she used one of my favorite words. It was an old vocab word when I was in school. At one point in the one episode, she's like, subterfuge. <laughs> <laughs> and like by saying it in that voice, I'm like, that shouldn't be so goddamn funny. Um, and it, it like kind of makes you forget that she's, 
I don't want to say she's an awful person, but like most of the show, like they're pretty just like terrible, like, oh, I'm so rich and everyone's below me kind of thing. Uh, but like, she's so funny and entertaining that I just kind of forget that she rocks all those ridiculous wigs and yes, obnoxious outfits. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, just, <laughs> David, fold the yeah. cheese, David. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Just fold yeah. the cheese. Yeah. Tell me. You don't know what it means. I do, but I'm, I'm doing something, you know, like it's, <laughs> God, uh, it's, she's so brilliant in it. Like just truly everything like, and the way that she plays off the characters is great. But then the way she can just carry it all on her own too. It's just like perfect. Oh, so yeah. good. Uh, incredible. So another, comedic uh juggernaut uh in the tv game julia louis dreyfus in veep oh yeah oh yeah so i forget where i left off in veep i i think i was on about season four or five but like do i need to say more she's just like rocked this decade in that role i remember when i was younger everyone thought that there was a seinfeld curse where like the other actors wouldn't get much work because they were typecast not Julia Louis-Dreyfus. She's too talented. Um, I think she plays off all the actors really well. She handles the rapid-fire dialogue. Um, she sometimes feels relatable, but also it's just like, God, she's awful too. <laughs> yeah. And I love too, just in general, in real life, where she's just like, yeah, no, this isn't like a spoof. Like this, this is how <laughs> Washington is. <laughs> um yeah i am so excited to jump back into that show at some point i think that was part of the reason why i slowed out because i binged a ton of it right in a row and then i knew it was going to end eventually so i was like you know what i'm going to pause come back to it so that when i can i can like binge more again um but yeah so that's my number two for tv performances and then my number one uh was an actress uh that we literally saw her grow up from like a child to a young woman and that was Maisie Williams as Arya Stark in Game of Thrones yeah that's a good number one choice I was torn because I wanted one actress from Game of Thrones and when it comes to actresses on that show I could have had so many different honor honorable mentions from Gwendolyn Christie Lena Headey uh Rose Leslie um uh, I'm blank. Uh, Sophie Turner, Michelle Fairley, um, you know Amelia Clark. It, it just that show is littered with incredible female performances and actresses. But the reason I went with Maisie Williams was because I feel like so often when shows have to pick a child star, they have to bank on the fact that they're going to be good when they're older. Yeah, because <laughs> there's some shows, and it's more so in the comedy realm. Sometimes when they do family stuff, like I didn't watch a lot of the later seasons of Modern Family, but like I felt like I haven't seen those kids do much else besides that show. Um, yeah, don't want to say I, that they're bad, uh, but I like uh, I <laughs> I don't want to say that they're bad. You know that I don't want to be mean because you know I'm never gonna know what it's like to grow up uh, in that, but like she was so young like she is how old is she let's see because the show started in 2011 and she is 
only 23. And so let's see, nine years ago. So yeah, she was like, what, like 10? Like she, <laughs> like, baby. yeah, she was a child, a literal child, and then was on it for eight years, grows up to be in her like lower 20s. And I just think that she did an incredible job, made that character usually always a fan favorite, um, not only because of like her story being fun, but like she was fun to watch in that. Um, she could be funny, she could be uh, thrilling, she could do some of the action stuff. It just, she felt so believable in that role. And I think just like I said, the mere fact that was a child, uh, like we'll just say around like age, like nine, 10, all the way to like lower 20s, that's <laughs> like, it, it could have easily went downhill at some point, but it totally didn't. She just got better, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. And like you said, that is tough to be so young and to grow up in a very particular way. Um, but yeah, it was like every season she delivered very much so. Yeah. And I think it's interesting because it wasn't like she was just a side character who or a supporting role like obviously it's an ensemble piece but she was a lead there was times where we were just following her story like she was the only one in this region you know like she would go over here and then she played off really well with like the actor who played the hound and uh played well off of almost everyone she worked with um i just think that's a lot because I think other actresses could have been put in that spot and maybe not been able to hand it, uh, handle it as the years went on. Yeah, and I would also say too, when a role is that young and you have someone so young in that role, sometimes it could like come off like hokey almost. Like I feel like like her relationship with a hound could have very much been like little scrappy kid and like the big tough guy and it yeah. wasn't it was all it was never like hokey it was never like yeah she wasn't that good in this scene but she's a kid like leave her be like yeah. it was just always like on top and she had to do some dark shit yeah <laughs> some really yeah. fucked up dark shit and i hope that's not gonna haunt her later in life but like i think she just pulled it off incredibly and so yeah that is my number one for tv actress performances um, Jess, do you want to jump into your movies? Yes. Um, again, so many, so many. So <laughs> it was very hard to choose the five. But again, like these are the five that like really like stuck with me, impacted me, like got me thinking. Um, so let's just get into it. My number five is a tie. Kind of cheated, but I think <laughs> I'm safe. Um, Number five is the tie between Tony Collette in Hereditary and Florence Pugh in Midsommar. The, I think it's fine because they were both directed by Ari Aster. So like, let's just say <laughs> we're counting it as one performance. Um, I'll allow it. Thank you. I, I, <laughs> On I this <noticed>. super prestigious <laughs> ranking on our podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whoops. Um, but yeah, both women are just giving you everything in these two very horrific movies. Both movies just really like sucker punch you and stick with you and like are 
a different level of horror than like what we're used to. So it's really exciting that both movies did well because it's not like your typical mainstream horror. Um, but both performances literally have them doing everything, like every range of emotion possible, sometimes within a few pieces of dialogue. Um, they're like one minute like gratified and happy and elated and then the next they're like freaking out and like breaking down and then the next they're like you know trying to like keep it together and then they're going insane like both have to do so much in such a little time but they both do it in a way that is like incredible totally believable and both performances are ones that you can like put yourself in and really relate to them even though they are going through such a broad range of things like you still like feel it and you you, you feel every moment they go through um yeah there's the, the characters themselves are different from each other and the movies are somewhat different like i said there is a through line of ari aster like being the one that directed them um and it's just interesting how he has written for women so far that they are really really like going through it and complex like isn't even like the best way to describe it like it is a whole nother level of emotions um number four is jessica chastain in zero dark 30 um this is actually the only actress on my list that was nominated for any sort of prestigious award for these performances um but she ultimately lost the best actress nomination to J-Law in Silver Linings Playbook, a performance that I would say has not aged super amazingly, but I, I'm, <laughs> anyway, um, number three, <laughs> um, we're, yeah, anyway, number three, Amy Adams in Arrival. Arrival is beautiful, brilliant, um, it should be respected more. That's that's my hot take. Um, her performance is incredible because she's playing a linguist who is tasked with being able to communicate with aliens that just landed on our planet. And she does it in such a believable way, which is really interesting. Like there are many scenes in which she's literally playing opposite a fake creature. Um, but you get so invested in what is happening, like what this back and forth between her and an alien is. Um, so there's no sort of moment where it feels like anything less than incredible and realistic in this like beautiful sci-fi movie. Um, and I just feel like that role really does call for a lot for her. She's going through trying to talk to aliens and like personal <laughs> challenges and like a weird time travel sort of element and like she, amy adams meets like every single moment in that movie and makes it believable um and yeah it's just it boggles my mind that she has not gotten an oscar yet because i think she is one of like the best actresses we currently have and I feel like she's just constantly undervalued. Um, and what's weird too is that year she wasn't even nominated and Emma Stone for La La Land won, which is like, mm, mm, which one was a little more challenging? Mm. Anyway, <laughs> that's an, there's another, another performance, another movie. I, I don't think aged well. Anyway, moving on. Number two is 
Charlize Theron in Mad Max Fury Road as Furiosa. Um, you guys can go back to and listen to our top 10 favorite movies <laughs> and I describe a lot of the reasons why I love that movie in there and she just delivers in every single moment in that movie and then my number one pick is Lupita Nyong'o in Us. Um, I love Us. I think it's a great movie um, but what I think she does that no one else can, did really at all this decade is she's playing two different roles in a very different way it's sometimes within the same scene um she's playing both the protagonist and the antagonist and two, her her two different performances are so believable that while you're watching it sometimes it's easy to forget that they're being played by the same person because everything down to the way they speak the way they carry themselves um, their their emotional ranges are like so different and she just really puts herself fully in both and I just feel like that that is incredible and really difficult to do in one character let alone two at the same exact time um, playing off each other too there are scenes where she's the only actress in it and she's playing two different characters and it's not hokey at all it's like you fully are invested in like what's happening um i just i think it's an amazing performance i don't as much as i really really like the movie i don't know if it would have had as much of an impact had it been anyone else in that role and just like elizabeth moss i feel like she is the only one that could play that role and to me like if you can't see anyone else as that character that means like they have done the best they can do because you're not even thinking about the other alternatives. So favorite actress performance in a movie, Lupita Nyong'o in Us. So surprisingly, we have three that match. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> At first I knew we'd have like one, maybe two, but then uh, the, the, the one was the third, I was like, God damn. So uh, I'll say my first two, which don't match. Um, my number five, uh, yeah, the reason why I didn't want to comment much because I'm like, mm, I'm going to talk about like these in a minute. <laughs> um, <laughs> my number five is Phyllis Smith voicing Sadness in Inside Out. Oh, that's a really good choice. I have really only seen that movie fully through like a couple times just because like it gets me. And oh, yeah. uh, I think she everyone knows her as phyllis from the office but like this was like a role that like she was just like perfect for and i think could have like very easily um been like an afterthought if someone else did that voice uh i think it really came through to where you were super sympathetic for her it was like a really brilliantly casted movie with like amy poehler as joy and uh Louis Black as anger and like things like that, but like Phyllis Smith as sadness, um, just <laughs> gave me the feels, and so I had to. I knew I wanted to put at least one vocal performance on the list, and uh, that's the one that stuck out to me most in the in the 2010s. Um, my number four is Margot Robbie and I Tanya. 
She, I have her as an honorable mention. That performance <laughs> is yeah. everything. Yeah, and like the fact that she did a lot of the skating herself. Obviously, there's certain tricks that she does that like very few people in the world can do, much less make an actress try to do it. Um, but like this movie, I think could have been kind of an afterthought with the fact that like it's just a biopic uh, like a of Tanya Harding like obviously it's a controversial and weird story but um I don't think anyone thought that like oh this could be like a real killer perf- like Oscar worthy performance for an actress uh and yeah Margot Robbie showed you and it was a low budget movie and like Allison Janney gets a lot of credit for her role in that movie but honestly it's like why would anyone talk about anyone else in that movie but <laughs> but Bar- but Margot Robbie um I think she played that so well so sympathetic but also um like made you laugh uh, uh yeah it incredible um my number three was Charlize Theron and Mad Max Fury Road nice um, yeah we've talked about it before I think she is not only going to be one of the most memorable characters and performances of this decade, but um, I think decades from now when they start to do like new, you know, like maybe top 100 heroes or like top 100 um, like favorite characters, things like that, like she's going to be synonymous with that sort of like Sigourney Weaver for the Alien movies or uh, Linda Hamilton for the Terminator movies. I think like Charlize Theron, everyone's gonna remember that performance uh, from Fury Road. Um, I know that there's talks of like, are they someday gonna do another one? Um, I don't know, if they don't, I think I'll still be happy because uh, she did that role really well. Um, But yeah, so my next one, my number two is Lupita Nyong'o and Us. <laughs> I don't know why she wasn't nominated for things because, like you said, she played two different roles. She played the hero and the villain, and there's lots of times where, like, that gimmick is kind of becomes goofy when it's the same person playing two people. Um, but she did it so well. She like just really got her voice as the villain. Uh, is just so freaky um the like the different hair and uh just <sighs> I don't know it's hard to really go into unless you've seen the movie and I don't want to necessarily like spoil anything but it's it's something that I saw it you know it came out February of 2019 and the whole year I was like well it's got to be hard to top that <laughs> yeah absolutely <laughs> like yes. it really is for that year um and then finally my number one was amy adams in arrival yes <laughs> i was livid that she didn't win actress not it wasn't even nominated wasn't even nominated it was like and the same Emma thing stone in la la land are you i'm sorry but it like... was just like when leo didn't get nominated for Django unchained like yes. i was just so baffled by that because not only should she at least been nominated i thought it was like a shoe-in that she'd win um now i think she's become the new you know everyone was like when's leo gonna get his oscar it's like we're not when is amy gonna get her oscar 
<laughs> yeah, like uh, truly, like what more does she need to do for you people? Like that, like you said, most of the movies she's interacting with, like, you know, probably just like a green screen or like nothing real. Um, and she brings so much emotion to it. And I don't know, it's just so good. Um, and honestly, I've only seen the movie fully through once in theaters. Like I bought it because I knew I'd want to see it again, but it's just a, such a powerful performance. Um, it stuck with me ever since that movie came out. And I think she should have very easily have swept all the award shows with that role. Um, Cause yeah, I think it was extremely, extremely underrated. Absolutely. I actually watched it recently. Um, some of these movies I hadn't seen in a while. And so I was trying to watch like some of these shows or movies um, just to kind of go back and see these performances. And I watched Arrival for the first time since it came out. And it not only held up, but like felt better, like seeing it again. And I just watching it think thought like, this was one of the best movies that year. And for it to be like so forgotten is terrible. It's one of the best sci-fi movies ever done. Yeah, um, I definitely agree. I think in someone that I think is a very underrated director is that director, Denise Villeneuve. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he did Prisoners, which was one of my favorite of the decade. Uh, came out in like 2011, 2012. Uh, he did Sicario. He did Arrival. Um, he then Blade Runner, the new Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049, and now he's working on the Dune movies. Uh, yeah, he's just a great director. He always gets great performances, like from Amy Adams and uh, uh, Emily Blunt in Sicario, uh, Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal in Prisoners. Like, he just always gets great performances and also gets these great casts in these movies. Um, and directs it well. He usually has like Roger Deakins uh, do cinematography for at least a couple of them, if not all of them. I just, I agree. I think Arrival is very underrated. Um, I want to rewatch it. It's probably something that I'm going to rewatch during this time. It's just one of those movies like you got to be in the right mood. Just, yes. just <laughs> if you haven't seen Arrival, I'm, it's not like super sad or anything. Uh, it's not going to like rock your world, but I, I think it's not like. The way I could best describe it, I don't know how some of you are with your home viewing. I've noticed that there are some movies that I can have the lights on, I can maybe have my phone out and I'll still enjoy it. But there's some movies it's like, no, you need the lights off and you need to be paying attention. Yes. <laughs> and I feel like this is one of those because it's like an experience um, that you shouldn't take lightly, uh, especially to see something like Amy Adams' performance. But uh yeah, I found it funny that for movies we had three similarities. <laughs> yeah, and like right by each other too. That's yeah. That's really funny. Pretty much just like switched our top threes around a little. Yep. Yeah. That, that is funny. We very rarely cross over in our list. So that is funny that we agreed on the stellar performances of the year. Yeah, like looking over, I, I tried to look up a bunch of lists of like, best performances and I see some that I'd be like yeah but like you said a lot of these they I don't think they were necessarily awarded because we've done just episodes on award shows but to me 
there are movies that stick with you and they aren't always necessarily ones that are nominated for awards because yeah, exactly you think about uh, I, I, I mainly bring this up because I was just talking to my parents. They rented this the other night. They saw King's Speech from 2010, that one best picture. What do I think about from 2010? I think about Inception. I think about Social Network. I think about Toy Story 3. I think about Scott Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> right. Like, I think of those four awesome movies and don't think of the King's Speech and haven't seen it because. <laughs> I feel like the trailer, I, I get it, you know. Uh, there are tons of movies that and performances that I think they get nominated, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to stick with you. Um, like, okay, this last year, uh, who, who was nominated for, like, Best Actress? It was Renee Zellweger for Judy, oh, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I did eventually see that, and she is really amazing. Yeah. Um, but... I couldn't tell you who else. Who? Yeah. Oh well, Lapita wasn't like that's the thing. Like yeah, that's that's the thing. who I would have <laughs> rooted for. And like I'm sorry, Renee was amazing as Judy. Yes, but like she wasn't doing what Lapita could do. Like. Oh yeah, <laughs> but that's the, that's but that's what comes down to a lot of the award show problems is like they go based on like oh well they like this I don't think they really considered us for any awards. And the same with um, Midsommar with Florence Pugh, like sh she was so much better than that and and had to do more with that than she did in Little Women. It's just horrors are not taken seriously. Get Out winning Best Screenplay, huge deal. I mean, like that is a huge, huge deal for the Oscars. But yeah, it's just, it, it goes to show you that like the awards, like they don't matter. Like, sh like you were saying, Charlize Theron's character in Mad Max, Furiosa is going to go down as one of the best, like, hero, not even necessarily just female, best, like, actions characters, best, like, like you said, Ripley and Aliens, like, level, but yeah. she wasn't nominated, she wasn't even considered, I'm sure, but it's, like, one of the top performances of the decade, so it's just, I don't know, I feel like time is the best indicator of, like, how truly good a performance is, not accolades at that year like it just like i said i'm sorry we all love jayla back in the day but like if you rewatch silver linings playbook like <laughs> i feel like thing, you got some jayla uh jayla hate happening I, I don't because she is an honorable mention in one of her performances but i am saying if you go back and watch silver linings playbook the acting she gives is very big very loud and very much something you do your freshman year in acting 101 just saying <laughs> just saying jessica chastain in zero deck 30 so different i mean but anyway but to be fair i'll i'll say one thing for j-law she was like 22 at that time she was not yeah so and she I, so she was not like I, that was like one of her first let's see i think that was one of her first movies um i would say she's much better in winter's bone than she is in Silver Linings. And so I, I, I'm not saying it's like anything against her abilities. Yeah. I'm just saying like that character, that direction, I do, like, I just find it to be like, like, I don't know, anyone can kind of yell. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, anyone I mean, can I freak out in a diner. Like, I, <laughs> I haven't seen that movie in years and I, I, I'm not like necessarily disagreeing with you. I'm just, I'm throwing out the, the fact that 
you know, uh, it, we did, uh, she was younger and we did like it at the time, but mm -hmm. that's, what's always interesting is the fact that some movies and some roles, some performances, you see them one way when you watch them the first time, whether it's in theater or on TV, and then you see it later and it may not stick with you. Whereas others, like I said, I only saw Arrival once, but I've thought about her performance many, many times since then. And however many people I like was looking through lists that they performed in the 2010s. And I'm like, oh yeah, that came out. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. So yeah, it's just, I feel like, like I said, time is like probably one of the best indicators of like what makes a performance amazing. Like being able to look back and say like, yeah, that's still like, I still think about that. Or like, oh, that? I haven't, I mean, has anyone thought about La La Land since the Oscars? Like, <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Um, that's why I still I'm so haven't happy. seen it. And it's yeah, not, it's it, not on the top of my list. You don't have to, you know? And I would say like, that's why, like total sidebar, totally off track. But like, I'm so happy that Parasite won Best Picture because that is a movie that I definitely think is going to be one of those where it's like, it, we're going to think about it. Like, I still think about it. A lot of people yeah. are still talking about it and thinking about it post like winning Best Picture. It's like, finally, there's a movie that's like, this is, this is what we're going to be into in a few years as well. <laughs> so anyway, anyway. 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 Um, so yeah, those, the, uh, do you want to just read down your, your top 10 again real quick? Sure. So my top five for TV was number five, Regina King and Watchmen. Number four, Olivia Coleman in Broadchurch and The Crown. Number three, Catherine O'Hara in Schitt's Creek. Number two, Tandy Newton in Westworld. Number one, Elizabeth Moss in The Handmaid's Tale. And then for movies, my five was Tony Collette in Hereditary and Florence Pugh in Midsommar. Number four, Jessica Chastain in Zero Dark Thirty. Number three, Amy Adams in Arrival. Number two, Charlize Theron in Mad Max, Fury Road. And number one was Lumpita Nyong'o in S. Awesome. My number five for TV was Rachel Bloom in Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. My number four... Excuse me, yeah, number five was Rachel Bloom. Number four was Phoebe Waller-Bridge in Fleabag. Number three was Catherine O'Hara in Schitt's Creek. Number two was Julia Louis-Dreyfus in Veep. And then uh, my number one was Maisie Williams in Game of Thrones. My number five for movies was Phyllis Smith voicing Sadness in Inside Out. Um, Margo, then it was Margot Robbie in I, Tanya. Charlize Theron and Max, Mad Max Fury Road, Lupita Nyong'o in Us, and finally Amy Adams in Arrival. Um, I have some honorable mentions as well. Oh yeah, let's hear those honorable mentions. So Margot Robbie and Itania, Sandra Bullock in Gravity, Viola Davis in The Help, Alicia Vikander in Ex Machina, Lady Gaga in A Star Is Born, J-Law in The Hunger Games, which is an interesting choice for her performances. But if you go back and watch, those are like really great performances, actually. Um, Lena Headey in Game of Thrones, Jessica Lange in American Horror Story, Nicole Kidman in Big Little Lies, and Tessa Thompson and Evan Rachel Wood in Westworld. All right. Um, so I did some honorable mentions. I didn't do a lot. Some of them I already mentioned that uh, three off the bat that I 
considered for Game of Thrones was Rose Leslie. She played Egret Yig- uh, in Game of Thrones. You know, nothing Jon Snow. Um, Sophie Turner from Game of Thrones. Gwendolyn Christie from Game of Thrones. Uh, Scarlett Johansson voicing uh, the operating system in her. Oh, okay. Um, I think she did really great in that. Um, the I'm blanking on the other one I was just about to say. Uh, oh, I agreed. Uh, you said Alicia Vikander in Ex Machina. Woof, that's a movie that... That's another one, like, that's an experience. You need to pay attention for that one. Yes. <laughs> you need the lights off to get, like, the full effect. Um, yeah, I think those are some of the main ones off the top of my head. Oh, I want to throw a shout-out to um, Daisy Ridley as Rey in the Star Wars movies. Um, I thought she was great in Force Awakens and Last Jedi. Um, not that she wasn't <laughs> in The Rise of Skywalker, <laughs> but that's a discussion for another podcast. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think she was great in those. I loved seeing her in that lead role. Um, yeah, there's there's just too many. There's too many. I mean, obviously, it's that that was the difficult part. It's it's ten years of performances. We could have honestly, it's like we could have made like six episodes just on actresses from like leading tv supporting tv leading film supporting film maybe some comedy some drama you know it's just (laughs) there's so much but so we had to whittle it down and i still think it's funny that like we had total four matches in our tents yeah (laughs) four matches david (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but um, yeah so Jess uh, we're going to be next episode wrapping up our top tens of the tens series with uh, actor performances in the tens Uh, excited for that I am yeah Um, this discussion has gotten me thinking about some other like male performances that are not currently on my list so I'm gonna have to do some reshuffling but um, yeah it's been fun looking back at this decade Um, I am happy we're going to be wrapping it up and we've said like what we wanted to say about it um and then yeah we'll finish it off with actors and go from there absolutely um but yeah if you guys do have any in the future you want to see us do whether it's top tens of the tens or just top tens in general please let us know um because then once this is over we're going to jump back into some other topics that aren't necessarily ranking because we've been doing lots of rankings with these top 10 series. Um, so please uh, let us know, leave a comment on YouTube or a review on, uh, on Apple podcasts or um, email us entertainmentbuffet at gmail.com. Uh, and Jess, where can they find you on the social medias? I am at Jess J E S S K W A Z Z on Twitter and Instagram. I am at uh, the pros, T-H-E-P-R-O-Z-E on Twitter. I'm at Brandon Prosec on Instagram. And yeah, please follow Entertainment Buffet on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, all the things. Um, we're going to be trying to get you um, some more video podcasts if we can. If not, uh, there may be some new audio and or video content dropping soon. Uh, we can dish on that later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so thank you guys for listening. And uh, we, we would love to hear what are some top 10 performances from the 10s that we missed. 
Yeah, let us know because there were a lot. I'm sure there's some <laughs> I didn't even think about because there's so many. Absolutely.